Oh, I feel power in this place today. You believe God can do anything? What a great God we serve. Amen. What a powerful God we serve. I turn your attention this morning to the book of Acts chapter 2. We begin reading in verse 37. So glad for each and every one of you that are here. Such a great place to be gathered with God's people in God's house under the banner of his name. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify, this referring to Peter, and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46 of the same chapter says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. I want to talk today on this subject, the art of continuation. The art of continuation. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today and thankful for the opportunity to look to your word. What a guide it is for our lives to direct our steps, our path, our decision-making. Lord, you have been so good to us. And Lord, today as we look to your word, we pray that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive it. Let it go forth and fall on good ground. Anoint our lips to speak your word without fear or favor. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for all things. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated and thank you so much for standing. We are definitely without controversy creatures of habit how many of you find that even when you come to church you usually sit in the same place that you sat last week found yourself doing that we're creatures of habit since we've had this portion of uh emerson uh blocked off you know here with this work on the bridge uh i have struggled with uh, breaking the habit of coming up uh, emerson and coming to church from the south because I've just I guess done it for so long I just have it and uh, I live south of here down in Bayside Lake so that's the, the route I come to come to church and so I know that it's much quicker if I just uh, turn left at the Dunkin Donuts and go up Eldron by you know Pineapple Cove and all that and come up that way and then I just come straight up here and go across Malabar go to Americana take a right and come right here to the church so I leave my house thinking, now, when you get to the light, David Ellis Myers, turn left at the light and go up Eldron. And they say it's okay if you talk to yourself, but when you start answering yourself is when you're in trouble. So I say, okay. And uh, before I get to the stop light, my mind's gone to something else. 
and I go straight, and then I'm on, you know, uh, Emerson, and, and I'm coming that way. And I'm like, oh, I was supposed to turn left. But I forgot to do it because like a horse going to the barn, I just go that way. I'm just used to going that way. And I realized how difficult it is to uh, break that habit because, you know, we're going to come down that way and then, you know, you're going to have to face that sign again that says, you know, we're not going to be open until January 31st. How many of you know that that's a lie? When we get to January 31st, it'll be February 28th, you know. We've already heard, you know, I didn't realize that this, when Chris Green was here with us last week, he's like, they're still working on the bridge at the WINS conference they were working on. I forgot it started way back in October. You would think that after three months that I would be able to reprogram my brain to go a different route. But because habits are so difficult to break, it's hard to rewire your brain and to reprogram it because of this autopilot that we all struggle with called habit. Well, the art of continuation is a two-edged sword. It's defined by not only how to start a right habit, but how to discontinue a wrong habit. And sometimes those two things go together. How to stop doing that that is harmful, and how to continue doing that which is helpful. To break a bad habit, it's not easy, but equally difficult is how to establish a good habit. And how do we navigate that process? In the verses immediately preceding our text, we, we read about one of the most exciting and important stories of the Bible, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the word ghost is, is just an old English word for spirit. When we read from the King James Version, they use those old English words, and, and ghost is is a word that they use for spirit. So you can say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, it's interchangeable. But when we read the King James Version, it talks about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When I was a uh, just a young boy and I was uh, going to O'Galley High School, uh, I talked to a couple of my friends into coming to church with me. And uh, I want to say it was like on a Wednesday night. And you know, when you invite people to come to church, you're, you're hoping that it's not too crazy of a service so that your friends don't think you're crazy. So there were certain uh, people that I prayed the Lord would give them a spirit of lethargy during that service and that they would just sort of be on good behavior. And, and how many of you know God will just totally blow up your plans to be sophisticated, your plans to be cool, calm, and collected, and just blow it all up? And I mean, it was like during the offering or something. And I was sitting with my friends and this one sister jumped out in the middle aisle. And said, Lord, send the ghost. And when she shouted that, both my friends went right out the back door. They went right. <laughs> said, I, I knew you were crazy, David, but now there's people in your church hollering for ghosts to come. We're not even to Halloween yet, and they're hollering for ghosts. And I said, no, 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 that's the Holy Spirit. So I had to try to explain it to them. But can you imagine what it would have been like being there in that upper room? I, I can just picture Peter standing up with the 11. You know, the first four verses of Acts talks about the 120 gathered together in the upper room, those followers of Jesus, and they're praying and they tarry and they're praying and then the Holy Ghost starts to come and the Bible says it sits upon them like a fire on their heads and they begin to speak another tongue. And it's noised abroad because people in the area are just, you know, they're coming. It's uh, the Feast of Pentecost, so 
It's kind of a holiday celebration time and people are coming. That area in the upper room, the tomb of David is there. It's kind of the old Jerusalem area and it's a, it's a very, you know, historic area and a lot of people gather in that area and they were out in the streets and all that and it was noised abroad. You know what that tells me? The very first outpouring of the Holy Ghost, when the New Testament church was originally started, you could hear them. Where do we ever get to this business like we're all supposed to sit like church mice, like cemetery plots with faces and not make any noise? They started out making noise. It was noised abroad. That's what the Bible says. What's going on up there? I mean, the Holy Ghost is pouring out and they're all looking around. And they're curious as to what's going on, you know. They've been making noise there for a long... You know, a few years ago, we went there on a tour. And uh, we had a group that we were all going through the Holy Land sites. And we went to the upper room. And our guide was a guy by the name of Edo that was like used to be in the Mossad. He was like this Navy captain. He was like a bear of a man. He had like his hand was like a big bear claw. And you just never felt like you were in danger with Edo. Well, I didn't realize this, but we all got in the upper room and, and we started praying. And as we started praying, people started speaking in tongues and all that. And unbeknownst to me, the curator, like this little skinny guy that was in charge of the upper room, he come running over and was going to stop us from praying. I didn't know about this until I, I realized some of the people told us and they had been videoing and we saw it afterward. But Edo, the Mossad guy, the bear, he stepped in front of him and said, Don't interrupt him! And uh, he got the guy that was like the curator of the area, he got really upset and he ran and called the Israeli cops. So when we got all through with our prayer meeting, we went down the stairs and we were down... And the, and the Israeli police were right there to wait on us. We've been disrupting things for a long time, folks. This has been a, a common thing for us. And uh, so they started questioning Edo, and some of it was in Hebrew, and I didn't realize it. But finally, you know, Edo spoke a little bit of English, and, and he said, you know, there's that, and this is a holy site, and these are Christian, evangelical Christians, and they believe in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is where it all started. This is the Holy Ghost, and this is the pastor. And he pointed to me. And here I am looking at Israeli police officers with Uzis and all this, you know. And he like points to me like, tell him. And so I started talking to him about the Holy Ghost. Man, it's amazing how God just can give you great opportunities to witness to security officers about the Holy Ghost at the upper room. So I got to tell him about the Holy Ghost. And you know how us Pentecostal preachers are. We start telling a story before long we're preaching. And I said, this and that, the Holy Ghost poured out. Peter stood up with the eleven. And it was noise abroad. And he told them that Jesus was the Messiah. And the Holy Ghost fell. And there were 3,000 people were out of the church that day. And we were experiencing the same thing 2,000 years later. And as I got to preaching, them Israeli soldiers go, that's what I just never seen. They literally just backed out of the scene altogether and waved goodbye. And they were on down, on down the street, you know. But can you imagine Peter? He stands up with the eleven. And he preaches this anointed message. And Luke, you know, he's over there busy taking notes so he can put it to pen and share it with us. 2,000 years later, he wrote the book of Acts. And this message was so powerful that strangers, talk about all these different people, strangers, Rome, Jews, and proselytes, and Mesopotamia, and Cappadocia, and Asia. I mean, they came from all over. And they felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And they're from other countries and other languages. And that's what really got them curious because they heard people speaking in their own language. And here they were. They had come to Jerusalem to celebrate this Feast of Pentecost. This is a, a time of celebration, a time of festivity. And yet they're so convicted that when they hear Peter preached this message. Nobody says, wait a second, that's not right. That's not the way you're saying. Hey, wait just a second. That's not what I was taught. The power of the Holy Ghost is so strong that there's no record that there's any kind of dissension or there's some kind of debate. The Bible just says that they immediately asked Peter. I mean, they begin to shout out from the crowd. 
What must we do to be saved? Oh, my friend, when you feel the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, there's only one question in your mind. What must we do to be saved? That's still the question that all of us are asking today in the 21st century. What must we do to be saved? I've come to tell you, it's the same thing today that it was 2,000 years ago when the Holy Ghost was poured out. He is the same. We serve the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the plan of salvation is the same. Peter begins to tell him. He lays out the blueprint for what it takes to be saved. Three steps, he begins to preach to that crowd. You must repent of your sins. I can see it now on my mind's eye. Thousands of people getting down in the streets on their knees and beginning to repent. Repent of your sins. Oh no, we crucified our Messiah had come. It was Jesus. And we crucified him. And they're on their streets, they're on their knees, they're repenting of their sins. And they're all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Peter preached to them that you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you're going to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, my friend, I'm so glad to tell you it's the same way that you and I are saved today. You can read this and you can say, oh, wouldn't it have been great to be there? Oh, if it was just a one-time thing that God had done 2,000 years ago, we would just have to look back at it. And we'd have to look back at it and just long for what that experience would have been like. But oh, we serve a God that continues. We serve a God that's not a one-hit wonder. We serve a God that what He's done then, He'll do now. If He opened blinded eyes then, He can do it now. If the dead was raised then, the dead can be raised now. If He poured out the Holy Ghost, it's continuing even today. It's still the plan of salvation. It has not changed in more than 2,000 years. On this day of Pentecost, all those years ago, immediately people begin to turn their heart to the Lord. They're in the streets. They're repenting. They're saying, can we be baptized? God's presence is so strong. There's no doubt that this is something supernatural. The Holy Ghost begins to fall. And the Bible tells us that at least 3,000 of them were filled with the Spirit. And they begin to get baptized. Oh, you talk about revival. In a single setting. In a hostile environment. In a hostile environment. The church age is launched in a blaze of fire. Oh, my friend. And it continues even today. God can move in a hostile environment. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are that you're facing. It doesn't matter what your home life is like. I mean, it matters, but it's not going to stop God. It's not going to be anything that God says, I can't move in that situation. Oh, my friend, if you're hungry for God, He can move past. He'll look over a whole crowd of self-righteous hypocrites to find one soul that's hungry for God. To find one individual that says, I need you, Lord. I don't care what it's sounds like what I look like. I don't care what my friends or my neighbors think. I am desirous of you, Lord. And I have to tell you, I can't think of anything that's more enjoyable, more fulfilling, more encouraging than when the Holy Ghost is poured out. I'm thankful that in the last two weeks, 30 people have received the gift of the Holy Ghost at East Wind and the East Wind Ministries. Oh, my friend, it'll make you leap for joy. It'll make you sing with the voice of triumph. Sometimes we get so excited about the Holy Ghost experience, we just want to stop right there. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the goodness of God, we want to stop. 
stop right at the promise. But the Bible says, and they continued. Oh, my friend, it's not enough to just be saved. You got to continue. It's not enough to just be filled with the Holy Ghost. You got to continue. It's not enough to just hear the preaching of the Word of God. You got to continue. There's three things I'd ask that you would consider that we must continue. We must continue in the ways of God. We must continue in the Word of God. And we must continue in our walk with God. We don't ever graduate from walking with God. You say, but pastor, I've been saved 30, 40, 50 years now. Guess what? It's still the tip of the iceberg. This whole life you're going to serve God. As we sing that song, how many of you can raise your hand and say, all your life he has been faithful. But this is just the beginning. This life is just the dress rehearsal. We're going to have all of eternity to say glory, hallelujah, to cast our crowns before Him. Oh, I'm so thankful for the salvation experience. But we've got to keep on keeping on. We've got to continue in the ways of God. We've got to continue in the Word of God. We've got to continue in our walk with God. If salvation was all that there was to it, then after you and I got saved, God would take us to heaven right then so we wouldn't mess up and be lost if it was just about the initial salvation experience uh, then why does God leave us on this earth after we get saved Uh, it's because uh, you got to continue I said you got to continue Because your life is a testimony. Your friends say, I know what he's been through. I know what she's been through. But you know what? They're still worshiping God. They still love God. That's because we've learned how to continue. God didn't give us the Holy Ghost just to be our own personal goosebump machine and us to feel good for a moment. Oh no, He gave us power to stay in the presence of God, to stay in the plan of God. He gave us power to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and to still be in the house of the Lord, saying, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I'm thankful for what they teach us in Sunday school. But it doesn't just stop by you going to Sunday school as a child and learning biblical stories. I'm thankful for youth workers that help us in the teenage years to get through some troublesome times and to help to sort of path our life so that we can make good decisions as young adults. I'm thankful for every youth worker. But this Holy Ghost, this salvation experience is not just for children and it's not just to get through the teen years. It's more than just having something to help you as a young married couple. Oh no, my friend, it's a salvation that continues. It'll be be with you when you're sick. It'll be with you when you're healthy. It'll be with you when you got a good job. It'll be with you when you get a pink notice and says we got to have a layoff. It'll be with you when your spouse walks out the door and you're not sure what you're going to do. It's still a God that continues with us. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm glad he keeps working on us. He keeps working on each and every one of us. God's got something, something for us that we have not yet tapped into. We don't get saved and then the rest of our life just try to live on the residue of that experience. No, my friend, this thing keeps gathering momentum throughout your entire life. The Bible says as light is revealed, walk in that light. You said, I thought I had all of God. You didn't even but hardly touch the surface of what God 
Oh, my friend, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You say, I don't want to just continue because I've already been there. You walk with God because God's going to bring you to depths you've not been to. He's going to take you to heights you haven't been to. you got to just keep walking out deeper into the water. God's a faithful God. But God has got treasures in store. God has got revelations in store. God has blessings in store that you know not of yet. We've not yet tapped into it. But if you just continue. First thing we see is that they continued in fellowship and in the apostles' doctrine. Notice that. In the apostles' doctrine. The doctrine that was preached in the book of Acts. The apostles' doctrine. That's what they continued in. Breaking bread from house to house. Oh, my friend, no man is an island. To continue, you have to connect with the people of God. You got to link up with the children of God. You got to join forces. We attempt to provide in this church multiple fellowship groups here at East Wind where you can connect. That's why I'm excited that today is our annual ministry fair because over in the Life Center, there's some 14 different ministries that are set up that are fellowship groups that you can connect with people that are at the same place of life as you are. If you've got children, there's Sunday school. If you've got young people, there's youth groups. There's, there's homeschool groups. It's uh, young married couples. Even daughters of Naomi that are for uh, widows that have lost their spouses. There's so many fellowship groups. And you say, well, I don't really need fellowship group. Yes, you do. If the apostles had to continue in fellowship, why do we think we're exempt? We need fellowship. We need to be connected with God's people. If you don't connect with God's people, you'll connect with people that are not God's people. You're going to connect with somebody because you're created as a social creature. And we're more than just creatures of habit. We are created to be connected with other human beings. We were designed to interact with others. And the best way that you get rid of a bad habit and get a good habit is to get in the right environment and to get the right people around you. Sometimes you got to replace friends. And you got to reinforce and encourage good behavior by getting with the right people. If you're with people that are not doing right, it's easy not to do right. But if you're with friends that will hold you accountable and help you to establish good habits, uh, you can discontinue the wrong thing uh, and you can continue the right thing. But part of that process, part of that art uh, is to learn uh, how there's certain environments that if I stay in that environment, I'm going to be inclined to fall back into that lifestyle. If I keep those friends, uh, I'm going to be inclined to go back into that lifestyle. So there's some things you got to discontinue. Uh, so there's some other things you can continue. That's why when God saved you, He made you part of the family of God. It was not just to go to church and worship with other brothers and sisters. It was to give you a family of believers to be in fellowship with. Mm. I'm troubled when I hear people say, I don't like going out to eat with other church people. There's something wrong with you. Why not? Well, they're just going to talk about God. What else is there to talk about? Why would you not want to talk about God? Well, I'd rather not go out with church people. They're too judgmental. You know what that tells me? You're under conviction by even being in fellowship with God's people. I'm going to tell you right now, there's some things you need to discontinue. You say, Pastor, I would. I'd cut off those bad habits if I could, but I can't get rid of them. You know why you can't get rid of them? Because you keep putting yourself back in the same environment. 
Sometimes you've got to change the environment that you're in. You've got to change the path that you're in. You've got to get with people that's got the same purpose and the same desire and the same way of living. You know what the word fellowship means? It means a friendly association with people who share one's interests. There ought not to be any stronger bond than being together with God's people that's got the same interests that you do. That I've got to make heaven my home. That one day we've got to get to heaven. If you have an interest in establishing good habits and disciplines at the start of this year and your friends have a different interest, then it's going to be hard for you to continue on the right path. But if you have an interest in being saved, but your friends have more of an interest in partying, you're going to be in fellowship with a contrary interest. Something has to change. Something has to discontinue. And the art of continuation is knowing what to discontinue. And the way you can discontinue that is you've got to sometimes just take a different route. Years ago, I was just a young evangelist, and I was working here with my father in this church, and I got a job working at a Christian radio station up in Cocoa, and I had to be on the air by 6 a.m., so I had to get up at 4.30 and get on the road by 5. You say, well, Pastor, it don't take an hour to drive from here to Cocoa. It does if you stop at Krispy Kreme Donuts. (laughs) Man, I would drive up Wickham and see that hot sign flashing. And I could hear calling my name. David Ellis Myers, we have hot donuts for you. It was my way of rewarding myself for getting up so early. I'd say, you know, I'd take a dozen of those and take them to work with me. And I'd take a dozen of them and they'd sit there in the seat next to me just like my best friend. and Just fill the car with that delicious aroma. We would talk all the way up to work about how good it was going to be. And I'd get up there and get on the air and them donuts would sit there and I'd eat them and after a while, I couldn't fit in my clothes anymore. <laughs> Man, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. This is not good. But every time I'd drive by that sign, and it'd start calling my name again. And I'd say, no, don't do it. No, don't do it. No, don't do it. No, don't do it. And my car would pull right in there. Long before Tesla, I had a car that would automatically drive right up into Krispy Kreme donuts. And then one day, they started working on the road up there, and they had the road closed down. My goodness, I had a bad attitude. I run up against that. For a few weeks, I fought my way through the, the detour signs and went around cones and barricades and, got to get to my donuts! Got to get to my donuts! And I'm walking, coming all around and have to park way over here and walk way over there and finally get there. And, you know, they say local traffic. Oh, I'm local. I got to get to Krispy Kreme. After a few weeks, I got tired of doing that and I just stopped going by Krispy Kreme donuts. After a few weeks, I was like, Thank you, Lord, for delivering me from Krispy Kreme. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me from Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you, Lord. You helped me. I'm back on track now, making good decisions. And then they opened up the road. Now the road is brand new. Now it goes right by Krispy Kreme. And the first day they opened it up, I drove by Krispy Kreme. And I had gotten out of the habit of going. But because I got close to it, it was like a force field. Just suck me in like the Bermuda Triangle. Like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I'd go right up in that Krispy Kreme. Finally, I said, you know what? I may be young, but my metabolism is no match for the baptism of sugar that I'm putting in my system every day. I finally decided I have to go a different route. The only way I could break that 
curse of them Krispy Kreme donuts is to go a different route. And it was longer going the different route. There was no Krispy Kreme donut sign on the longer route. But I had to break that. Even to this day when the kids bring Krispy Kreme donuts in there, they're like, Dad, have a Krispy Kreme donut. They've heard me tell this story. They love to tip their dad. And I'm afraid to even eat one because I'm afraid to wake up that beast. I'm like, I beat that thing years ago. I'm not going back to Krispy Kreme donuts. Now if I can just figure out how to get around Chick-fil-A. My goodness, there's always a temptation out there, isn't there? I drive by Chick-fil-A now and I hear him calling my name. Come, come, we have food for you. Come, my son, come, my son. I drive by LA Fitness, it doesn't call my name. Like when I go in there, everything in there screams to me, Get out of here! You don't belong in here! In fact, even this past year, Sister Amy and I said, we got to get in shape and we join uh, Anytime Fitness. And I'm telling you what, that place had been open for years down here on, on Emerson. I used to drive by and think about joining it. Finally, I said, i got to join it. So just before we were celebrating our 50-year uh, celebration of Bishop and Dr. Myers, and my friends and I were in a contest of who could lose most weight. And Sister Amy and I, we joined Anytime Fitness. And I thought, that'll be great. I'll be without excuse. I can go anytime, day or night. I didn't realize that any time meant no time. Because <laughs> before long, the place went out of business. Like the doors were locked and the machines are gone. We got our little gym bag. We go there, got our little fob. And we look at it. Our fob doesn't work. And I'm looking in there. There's all the machines are gone. That place was in business for years. But as soon as Sister Amy and I joined, it went out of business. <laughs> Meanwhile, McDonald's is open all night long. It's always easier to do the wrong thing. It's always easier to go to the wrong place. But you got to make up your mind. i got to get on the right path. And sometimes it may seem like a hostile environment. But you got to get started. you got to put one foot in front of the other. And say, this is 2022. Every week I'm going to the house of God. I don't care if the road is closed. I don't care if i got to go a longer way. i got to get to the house of God. Some of you start trying to go to church and everything in you shouts, You don't belong here! Just like when I go to L.A. Fitness. It's so much easier to just watch it online in your pajamas. Get it on television with a plate of chicken wings. We were in church with you today, Pastor. Uh-huh. No, to go to church, i got to get dressed! Ugh! i got to get a shower! brush my teeth, put on clothes and shoes. I don't know about you, but I think these glorified bodies we get in heaven mean that you don't have to wear shoes. I don't know about you, but I hate shoes. Anybody else hate shoes? Maybe because we grew up in Florida. I was close friends with an older retired minister down in Fort Lauderdale. His name was Clifford Jones and after Sister Amy and I got married and started our family, she'd heard me tell so many stories about Brother Clifford Jones. He was retired at this point, was nearly 90. And I said, i got to take you down to Fort Lauderdale and introduce you to my friend. By this point, he was living in a condo in Boca Raton, and he had a little dog that he lived with. And so I took my wife down there, and we went in there. And I said, this is Brother Jones you've heard me talk so much about. And he was in the, 
He was in the nursing home, but he was baptizing people in the jacuzzi hot tub. In the nursing home. You don't ever get away from this, folks. You can't ever retire from being a soul winner. Every place we went in that nursing home, they're like, Brother Jones, we get baptized next week. I said, where are you baptizing all these people, Brother Jones? He said, I baptize them in the hot tub. So he loved to eat at a place down there called Flanagan's. So I said, come on, Brother Jones, we're going to go to Flanagan's. Sister Amy and I are taking you to Flanagan's. He said, let's do it. He got his dog all situated. We headed out to the car, and I realized he didn't have his shoes on. I said, oh, wait, Brother Jones, we're going out. we got to go to the restaurant. You're going to have to put shoes on. He said, I don't wear shoes anymore. I said, yeah, but you just got on your socks. He said, these are hospital socks. they got grippies on the bottom of them. This is what I wear now. I said, okay. So we get there to the parking lot. He walks across the parking lot in his socks. We go in the restaurant. Everybody knows him. Hey, Reverend Jones, Reverend Jones. He walks in with his socks. They show him to his favorite table. He sits there and eats with socks, goes around, talks to everybody, knows all the waitresses and all the waiters in his socks. And you know what it dawned on me? If you hit 90 years old, you don't want to wear shoes. Nobody cares. You have earned that freedom if you hit 90 years old. I can't wait till I hit 90. Them shoes are coming off at 90. I'm getting me some hospital socks and look out. <laughs> I think sometimes when people come to our churches for the first time and they see us all dressed up and they think, oh my goodness, we don't belong here. I'm going to tell you what, if you're a visitor, we want you to come as you are. We're not going to judge you if you look different than we do. We know it's a big step to just start coming. I mean, now, if you've been coming for three, four years, and you're still coming in your speedo, we may say something to you. Probably sooner than three or four years. But, but I mean, if you're just starting to come to church, just come as you are. I know it's a big commitment to just start coming to church. But when you make a commitment, everything in your system is going to feel like you're in a hostile environment. Oh my goodness, and people are all looking at me. Oh, then people are, oh my friend, you've got to just push through all of that and say, this is where I belong. This is where I'm supposed to be. I've got to continue in the ways of God, in the word of God, and in my walk with God. The Bible said they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in the temple. They continued in biblical teaching in the church. And I'm going to tell you something else. Uh, they met that New Testament church. Uh, they met on the first day of the week. Uh, they said, we're going to start out our week uh, by going to church. Uh, and they gathered together in houses. Uh, they gathered together in the temple, wherever they could gather. They got together and they said, we're going to bless the Lord anyhow. Oh, I thank God for people that continue in the house of the Lord. I thank God for people that said, hey, I've been coming to church for 30 years, but I was glad with they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because I want to tell you something about the blessings of God, my friend. They will continue not just through your life, but they will continue in the lives of your children. Because David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. There is a blessing that's going to continue for generations to come. 
Nothing better than you can do for your children than to bring them to the house of the Lord. Nothing better you can do for your family than to bring them to the house of the Lord and let the principles of God's Word sink down in their heart and in their spirit. Oh, my friend, there's no better investment than investing in the house of the Lord because it's going to continue. It's going to go on and on and on. There's no better life insurance policy than to bring them to the house of the Lord and let the Holy Ghost get upon them because one day this corruptible is going to put on incorruption and this mortality is going to put on immortality and God is going to catch us away and forever we will be with Him for all of eternity. That's a life insurance policy. Thank God for people that not only continue in the house of the Lord, but they continue to serve in the house of the Lord. They value the house of the Lord. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. In other words, he said, I'd rather be a servant in the right place than to be the guest of honor in the wrong place. Oh, my friend, that's how you continue in the right place. Today in this building, our ministry fair is a little bit different this year. Every January we have a ministry fair, and today is our annual ministry fair. Usually we all meet in the Life Center, but this day we're breaking it up, and and the Life Center is our fellowship groups. And in this building are all these different stations that you'll see around this building as you go out to the foyers and you go down the hallways into the cafe. You're going to find a number of different ministries that are represented in this building today. After service, you're welcome to stop by. Ushers, greeters, tech team, nursery, cafe, all the different ministries that are in operation every single weekend. And there are people that serve in those ministries. And they're here before you get here. They've made things nice for you so that you can be in the house of the Lord. But can I tell you that if you only come and you enjoy the blessings of God and you never get involved in a ministry, you are robbing yourself of a great blessing. You're robbing yourself of the joy of the Lord. The Bible said they did eat their meat and gladness with singleness of heart with joy. They had happiness. There was something about being in fellowship with God's people and serving one another. You say, oh, pastor, I've got some bad habits that I'm trying, I'm fighting with. I'm trying to get rid of this bad habit. I'm trying to get rid of this smoking habit. Try to get rid of this drinking habit. Let me tell you how you get rid of bad habits. Start other good habits. I'm going to be involved at the house of the Lord. I've been going to East Wind long enough. I want to get involved. I'm going to be an usher. I'm going to be a greeter. going to work in the cafe team. I'll drive a van. I'll work wherever you need me, Pastor. All of those ministries are represented here today. There's sign-up sheets. As, as you go around, there's no better time than right here in January to say, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to continue in the ways of God. I'm going to continue in the Word of God and I'm going to continue in my walk with God. You say, well, I, I don't think I'm real good at that. I, I don't really know that I could do that. Well, guess what? You have to try. you got to experiment. This is why the Lord said in Malachi 3, Prove me and see if I won't pour you out a blessing you cannot contain. He was talking about paying tithes. You say, oh, pastor, there's no way I could pay tithes, give 10% of my income. There's no way I could do that. I use 100% of my income on my bills. And my wife, she's a big spender. And all the bills we got, we got three dogs. And they all got to eat dog food. And gas is going up in the car. I get 100%. I spend 110%. There's no room for God's 10%. Can I tell you, you can't afford not to tithe. Because if you'll give 10% as the Bible instructs us to do, guess what happens? God blesses the 90% and multiply. If you're having a hard time paying your bills, start paying your tithes. 
You start paying your tithes, God's going to bless you. And you're going to have money left over at the end of the week. You're going to say, how did all that money go? Where did it all come from? I'm going to tell you where it came from. It came from God. Because now you ain't got to spend money on alcohol. Now you ain't got to spend money on cigarettes. Now you don't have to spend money on gambling. You got money left over. Because God has blessed you beyond your wildest imagination. You can afford to go to Chick-fil-A. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know. Well, you got to prove it. Put him to the test. Oh, I don't think I could do that. Some things the Bible says you got to just experiment. You know what the word experiment means? It's a procedure that's carried out. An experiment now. It's a procedure that is carried out to support or to refute a hypothesis or determine the efficacy or the likelihood of something previously untried. So even if you want to just prove God wrong, Because an experiment is to support or to refute a hypothesis. Now, it's an established biblical principle, so I would take issue with it being described as a hypothesis. But for you to believe it for yourself, it may still be a hypothesis in your mind. But whenever you put it to the test, God said, prove me. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know if I could come to church every Sunday morning. I just don't know it. It's going to cut into my time being out with my family. It's going to cut into my Disney World time. It's going to cut into being out on the boat. It's going to cut into my football time. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I've got to be able to get up a little early. I just don't think I could do all of that. How do you know unless you try? When you start the week off coming to the house of God, everything in the rest of the week is blessed. When you start off paying your tithes, everything left over from your check is blessed. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You cannot outgive God. You live by these biblical principles, and it's going to come to pass. There is an art of continuation. You may not see it one day in two days, but you just keep on doing the right thing. And before long, you're going to look back and say, God has been good all my life. He's been faithful because as I've continued in him God has continued to bless me man I remember at 18 years old brother Eric LeBlanc that good looking young man sitting right back there in the sound booth came to this church at 18 years old his mom and dad from the island of St. Martin he was a young man that was smart had a lot of potential got accepted at Florida Tech and they brought him here his dad owned a restaurant in St. Martin beautiful little restaurant down on the beach and he took off two weeks of work to bring Eric here get him connected to a good church and I remember his father we had just moved into this building it wasn't like this now it was all there was no second building and this building was divided with fellowship hall there and Saint school rooms over there and the auditorium was smaller but he brought us brought his son here and said my son's going to be in and going to be in college and he can play the bass guitar and we wanted to get connected to a good church, you know. And I said, oh, yeah. He was 18 years old. And I'll never forget, Brother Eric was like, yeah. Whoa, man, what's up, dude? And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this kid starting Florida Tech. That's Sister Henry. God loves Sister Henry. Used to go and pick him up from school and bring him to church. And I watched Brother Eric over the years. As Sister Henry pick him up from Florida Tech, he graduated from Florida Tech, had two or three different jobs, wanted him this, wanted him that, and all of a sudden he just kept working, just kept working. He ended up marrying Sister Henry's daughter, Melissa. She was up here singing this morning, and now they got two boys. One of them's a champion Bible quizzer, the other one's on his way. And this week, Brother Eric got citizenship in America. Now he's an American citizen. 
and his mom and dad are retired and they're here and his brother's here and I've watched this. You know what's happened? Because all these years I've watched this man be faithful. He's back there working. He's up here working. He's in the house of God. He's trying to figure out a way to make the church better. He's got it all figured out where the sound goes out over the media and they can make the sound sound like you're even in here. Even if you're in your own bedroom, even the music, the sound is a high quality and there's something about when people dedicate themselves to the things of God. You just turn back and say, oh no, he just got lucky. He's now, he is now a test pilot for Embraer. He didn't just get lucky. He said, I'm going to work by the principles of God's word. And he put his head down and he went to work and he never wavered from the house of God or the things of God. I come to prophesy to somebody in this building today. You don't think God's got your path. You don't think he's going to direct your steps. There's going to come a day and you're going to look back and say, God has continued to be with me. He's been there all the while. You can count your blessings. You can name them one by one. Would you stand to your feet? The scripture says they continued in prayer. They continued in prayer. You say, I don't think anything would happen any different if I prayed. Well, why don't you just give it a try? You say, this year I want to stop gossiping. I want to stop being critical. I want to stop being hurtful with my words. I don't want to stop slipping up and cussing when I get mad. I, I know better than to do that. But every once in a while I say the wrong word. I want to stop doing that. Let me tell you how you stop doing that. You stop doing it by using your mouth for the right things. Start praying every morning. Wake up every day and be thankful before you check your email, before you check your messages. Say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Use your words to worship God. After a while, those other things have to dissipate because your voice is given to magnify in the Lord. And then whenever anger comes and you want to go back to that old habit, you can't do it anymore because you've established a good habit. Every time you get upset now, you just back up and say, you know what? God's got this. I will bless the Lord anyhow. I'm going to worship my way out of this dilemma. I'm going to bless God anyhow. The Bible says that early church in the book of Acts, when they would gather together, they would come together and they would start with praise. Oh, when you begin to start every day, every week with praise and say, I'm going to do the right thing. I've come to tell you that the wrong thing will fall off. And the Bible said they continued daily in prayer. That's why you got to make up your mind. In 2022, I'm going to pray every day. You may not be able to start out praying an hour, but you can start out by praying a few minutes and say, I'm going to give God some praise for this day. He's given me another opportunity. He's given me another 24 hours. I'm going to start out by having a consistent prayer life I feel like that's the way we ought to start out right here today I don't know what you're here in need of maybe you need the Holy Ghost maybe you need a miracle of healing in your body maybe you just need to get on the right path but I feel like we need to start with prayer so I want to invite you to step out from where you're standing and come down to this altar area and stand down front I want to pray for everybody in this building that wants God to intervene in their life I want you to just make your way down. You say, I, I just don't think it's going to be any different, Pastor, if I come down to the front. I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I just, I don't see how that's going to change anything. How do you know unless you try? 
It's like Naaman. Sometimes you've got to just step into the water. If you try to stand back and analyze it all, you'll say, oh, there's better rivers in Syria. I don't want to go dip in that old muddy Jordan. But it took a friend to come up alongside Naaman and said, Naaman, if he would have asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. Why not do that? That is easy. How easy is it to just take a few steps toward the Lord? How easy is it to just say, God, I want you to direct my life. Come on, I feel like some people are stepping out into the water. It would have not been enough for him to just dip in that water one time. The prophet told him, you got to dip seven times in the Jordan. Seven times. And when he came up the seventh time, the Bible said his skin was brand new. The leprosy, the incurable disease was gone. There was no remains, no reminder of it, no scars. His skin as is a newborn baby. You know why? Because he had to get into the water and he had to continue in that promise. You say, oh, pastor, I've been down to the altar many times before, but you got to continue going to the altar. You got to continue in the ways of God. You got to continue in prayer. And as you continue along the way, God does a miraculous work. Would you raise your hands now all over this altar? I wonder if you would just raise your hand. And would you just open your mouth and begin to talk to the Lord like you would your very best friend? Oh God, you've been so good to me. You've been so good, Lord. That I can't contain, that I can't control. You've been so good, Lord. Touch James, Lord. I pray you heal this body. I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus. That's it. Just raise your hands. Lord, I pray for a divine healing touch upon the body of Christ. You see every family, you see every home, every marriage, every child. We're not strong enough on our own, God. We're not smart enough. We've got to have divine help, Lord. We've got to have your help, Lord. With every breath that I am made, I'm asking you, Lord, for a double portion of your anointing. I'm asking for a double portion of your anointing, Lord. Oh, that's it. Lift your hands and your voice and begin to worship Him. So good, Lord. I pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon this congregation. I pray the power of your word upon this congregation. I pray the outpouring of your spirit, Lord. You gave us strength to continue in your word.
all lift your hands all over the building right now. Has he been good to you? Has he been faithful? You've been so good, Lord. We give you praise today, God. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. You're faithful to your people. You've given us power to continue, Lord. We dedicate, we determine, Lord, to continue in your ways. I pray your anointing upon every person here today. Pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us. I thank you, Lord, for your word that's been firmly planted in our hearts today. I pray, God, that you would go with us now as we're dismissed, that the hand of God would be upon every person, that your spirit would lead us and guide us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. The Bible says that as the word went forth, the Bible says that they were baptized. We have people right now that are going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Just behind this wall, there's a warm baptismal tank. We have robes, towels, changing rooms. If you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, but you say, Pastor, I want to start out this year being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I just invite you to come up on the platform. We'll baptize you right now today in the name of Jesus. If you must go, please stop by these booths, these ministries that are on the display here in this building as an open house and, and then stop by the Life Center before you go and check out the fellowship booths that are there. All of the department heads will be blessed if you just stop by. They've got little goodies at each one of their booths and you'll be blessed by going by each of those booths. And Take a few moments and do that this morning. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget tonight, Brother Nathaniel Paul Urshan will be with us. We'll see you tonight at 630 in Jesus' name.